All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tight, tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday, four things. Amy here. And I know on Tuesday during the fifth thing this week, I teased that the gift guide episode would go up today. And it's still going to go up, but... It's going to be a bonus episode on Sunday because I am working on some really cool giveaways to incorporate into the episode, like a really cool package of awesome things that you're definitely going to want. And I want to have everything finalized before I upload the episode. So look for that this Sunday. It'll be a bonus episode. And for now, I have an interview for you that I recorded earlier this week with Rachel Cruz. Here you go. Happy Thursday, four things. I've got my friend Rachel Cruz joining us. Rachel, you've been on the podcast before, but I feel like it's been a few years. I know. Well, I was just thinking that. And I remember we recorded, I think, in my old studio at our old office, which would have been like four or five years ago. So yeah, it's been a while. Rachel is a financial expert. So I'm very excited to have her on just because I have had my own personal financial journey since we last spoke. I used to never really pay attention to my finances at all whatsoever. And this year I didn't really have a choice and I had to finally face my fear. I didn't realize the amount of anxiety that I had around money at all, but any time that it would come up involving my divorce and just, you know, starting to take the reins on my life and take some agency and control over things. And of course, you know, when you're having meetings with lawyers and dividing assets and all the things Anytime I had to look at a spreadsheet or think about money, Rachel, like I would get a lump in my throat. 
Oh, yeah. Well, it's scary. And what you walked through, I'm like, you're going from zero to 100 because you're thinking about taxes, insurance, passport. I mean, like you're having to really uncover every single element, right, that you're having to figure out. So that would be I mean, I would be overwhelmed. Right. I mean, that's that's an overwhelming thing for sure. Yeah, I started to really pay attention to my body. And that's what I realized, like every single time right there in my throat. And I'm happy to report that I put in the hard work and I can now open spreadsheets and check bank accounts and do all the things, talk money without getting a lump in my throat. And I will highlight what I just said. I can check bank accounts, which means I can log in because previously I had no idea how to log in. And what would you say the percentage? I would assume it's mostly females that don't know how to log into their account, but I I could be stereotyping a little bit. And I'm a working female that didn't know how to log into her bank account. I'm not saying it's because I wasn't earning any money because sometimes that might be the case. But do you find that to be true? Yeah. I mean, I think probably on more of like the investment side, insurance, like when it gets into the real niche areas, I could see that being more true. But I also kind of find when it comes to to the day-to-day, the checking accounts, the expenses, things being paid, it's usually actually coming from the woman. More women pay bills within the household than men do that we find today, which is so interesting because I probably would have thought if I just were to guess, lean on that side. I was like, oh yeah, the guys do it. Because honestly, my husband does it and I'm the one that talks about money, but he's more organized and he's way more kind of detailed than I am. And so he naturally in his strengths just does it. And so when I do find that, yeah, a lot of women, they call her the CFO of the household. So there are a lot of women that do it, but I do think when you get into the niche areas, that's where sometimes I think, yeah, stereotypically, the guy can just take over if you're married. Well, my encouragement would be to anybody listening, whether you're male, female, whatever, that it is important for everybody to have a hand in it and all, to be involved. It is empowering. And I didn't realize that. I just, I had no idea that it would feel empowering to know kind of what was going on, what was coming in, what was going out, what certain things cost. And it's, we determined it stemmed from my childhood. So my dad was a roller coaster with money. And I think in my teenage years, I sort of determined, well, if you don't really pay too much attention to it, then it really can't stress you out. Yeah. But then I got married sort of young and I just passed that torch. And, you know, Ben even told me after we had decided to get a divorce and he saw how much this was impacting me. He said he remembered right when we got engaged, he kind of thought, yay, I'm going to be able to pass the torch to her because he was deploying overseas. Mm-hmm. She's going to be back home, be able to check the mail and help pay bills and, do, you know, and uh, he said that. I looked at him and I don't even remember this conversation, but then I looked and I was like, oh yeah, no, I don't do that. So that's on you. <laughs> that's not my thing. That's, that's not, my yeah. Thing. And it's true. Like opening mail, any bills, like I, I didn't realize because I wasn't in tune with my body that I was, I probably had the lump in the throat way back then. Well, no, and I think that's a great point because honestly, the way people's money tendencies are and even the way their money personality is shaped is so much through childhood because it's whether money was spoken about, whether it was verbal or not at all, like it was never said. And even the emotional state, which is what you're kind of describing, is that there's an emotional state without words your kids pick up on, is this a stressful topic or is this a free and under control topic? You know, you can, it's amazing how those two lines of communication are so real and it shapes you. It really does. It shapes who you are when it comes to money. 
And I find some people either flee to the opposite side, almost kind of like you did, where you're like, yep, I'm good. I'm going to check out and I don't need it. I'm good. Or some people become so controlling and so overbearing that they need that control of every single aspect that on that extreme, that's unhealthy too. And so that balance is really key. But yeah, I think going back and knowing how you grew up and your family of origin is a plays a huge role into how you think about money. Well, it seems like when I was a kid, I needed your new kids book that <laughs> you just wrote because you've got two other books that you've written, best-selling books. So what made you want to write a kid's book after writing for adults? Yeah, so I have three little ones at home. So they're eight, six, and four. And in the last probably, I don't know, year, year and a half, I've just been so aware, probably because they're getting older, of just realizing their need for stuff. I mean, the amount of stuff that they want, the amount of times they ask for something new, whether it's like, hey, mom, you know, is is, is the Amazon guy coming today? You know, I mean, it was like these questions that our kids were asking. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what have I done? I've created these like little materialistic monsters. <laughs> like, what is what is happening? And I saw myself so much in them because I'm a natural spender. Like I said earlier, I'm not great at details. So I'm kind of a free spirit naturally. And like, and I love stuff and stuff is fun. And so I just, I enjoy it. But I know the lessons I've had to learn as an adult, under, understanding and unpacking the fact that stuff does not make you happy. And you can so easily tie your joy. You can so easily tie your happiness and your contentment to a thing, right? Whether it's a new car, it's a vacation, like whatever it is, we can so easily tie a purchase to our contentment. And we all know in our heads that's not true, but that's not always how our behaviors play out. You kind of get that hit of dopamine and it's fun and it's great. And then you realize, oh my gosh, it's just stuff again. And then a week later, you're looking to buy something else. So that discontentment is real in my life and one that I felt. And then seeing it play out in my kids, I just thought, oh, wow, I want to write a book. So parents everywhere at night and bedtime as they're putting their kids to sleep, there can be these words spoken over them. That stuff is not bad, stuff is not wrong, but it's not the thing that's going to fulfill you long term. And that's why the title of the book is I'm Glad for What I Have, which I think yes. is, I think that's a reminder for, <laughs> for all of us. So I think even as parents are reading it to their kids, like it's, it's a great reminder to check yourself and have perspective. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And, and there's a spiritual element to it because it does end with understanding that there's, there has to be something bigger than you that fulfills you. And I think so often, and for me, spiritually, it's God. It could be, you know, something else for someone else. But I think tying ourselves to something higher, a higher power is so key. Because when we start to become our own God and we start to live in ourselves day in and day out, that's where I think a lot of danger can happen with money and with other stuff. But I think reaching for something greater than us is one of the answers in all of this. Well, I feel like that's a beautiful message for kids. Yeah. Is there, is there going to bed and something to reflect on and I love putting stuff like that in my mind before I sleep because I feel like stuff is happening in our subconscious and while we're sleeping. So it gets to marinate in there. That's right. So I love that it's a good bedtime story, but also with kids and teaching them just to be glad for what they have, but also how to best use their money. Like what are your practices with your kids? Like when it comes to allowance or chores or earning money, or when you buy them something versus when they have to pay for it. So when it comes to kids and money, you know, I think it's important for them to associate money and work. Like that's one of the foundational principles I want my kids to see is that money comes from work. Money doesn't come from mom and dad's back pocket or, you know, or a magic card that comes out and gets swiped or on the phone and you double click and something shows up at your house two hours later. Money, it comes from work. You have to 
leave home or you're home working from home, but the idea that you are having to work. And so implementing that for my kids is really important. So we have them on commission. So you work, you get paid. You don't work, you don't get paid. And they will do some chores around the house just because they're part of the family and that's what you do. You don't get paid for every single thing in life. But I do think as parents, there are so many teachable moments when our kids earn money and they have to make it themselves and then teaching them to give it, save it and spend it. So three areas that I think are really key. So you can get envelopes for this. You can get a jar, three different jars, whatever it is. But the younger they are, I think the more tangible that they need to actually see cash and see money and see it placed out in these three different ways. And and yeah, and letting them spend and enjoy some of it, I think is great. Understanding that you know, you can save up for something. And again, the younger they are, the saving timeline, I would make shorter and shorter the younger they are. But have something that they're saving for. Delayed gratification, I think, is a really good thing to teach yourself, even at a young age. And then giving and that giving aspect, living with that open hands and understanding that, yeah, life's not all about you. And part of our hard work, we help others with that. And so that principle is something, too, that that is big. But for Winston and I, I'm like, it is difficult because when you can just buy something on Amazon and it's seven dollars and ninety nine cents or whatever, and it's like, oh yeah, we can afford it. Like it's no big deal. We've had to get into the practice that whatever our norm is and what we want to set up for our kids, that has to be the norm. Now there's things that are abnormal. We'll take a great vacation. You know, we'll do some fun stuff, but that's more abnormal than normal and setting that baseline. And I would also encourage parents that like, however you are with money. However you see money, the role that money plays in your life, your kids are going to pick up on that. So I hear so many parents like, how do I teach my kids, you know, not to be so self-centered and generous? I'm like, well, how are you doing that? Are you, you know, are, are you acting out of self-centeredness and not being generous? So it's amazing when you're, when you are living this stuff out, your kids pick up on it and they take cues from you so often. Yeah. I think uh, if you were never taught it as as a child and you don't have something implemented in your life of your like three envelopes of give, save, spend. I mean, that's something that could be very easy to, to demonstrate and talk about and be like, Oh, okay. You know, my son was trying to understand the other day, like how I get paid and where the money even comes from, because yeah, it's not like I, I have a physical check anymore or you see it mm-hmm. and just direct deposit goes straight in. And I said, well, I get paid every two weeks. So that's something where I could have a conversation with him of like, yeah, every two weeks this comes in and then I've got these three piles. Give, spend, save. This is something I'm saying I need to do. I haven't done it, but you're giving, you know, me, the it's I- so good though. You're, you're giving me the idea of, of helping them actually see it. And of course, yeah, you may even have a generous heart, but if you're giving online or giving in a way where your children have no idea what's being given or saved, like you've got a 401k and boom, it automatically goes in there. Well, that's, it's all happening. It may be happening for you, but your kids aren't seeing it. Yes, that's right. So we just have to be intentional about the conversation. Yes. When they start asking those questions, yeah, go even a step further, you know, and explaining kind of what's going on because- I think money, there's so much just head knowledge to a degree that we need, that we all need to know. Like if your kids leave home and they know about a bank account, they they understand what debt is. They understand the idea of investing. Like that basic knowledge is so helpful, but also that emotional side of money, whether it's contentment and generosity, like all of that too is playing out as well. And so, yeah, I think it's both play hand in hand and both as a parent, you want to be intentional with. Because if you're not teaching them about money, Who's going to teach them? 
the guy on the car lot trying to sell him a new car and convincing him about financing, you know, and they're 22 years old, like, like who's going to do it? So it needs to be the parents and walking them through. And you don't have to be perfect, right? Parent, we are, no one is perfect when it comes to money. So don't feel like you have to get your act together before you teach your kids. Take them on the journey with you. We know so many families who are getting themselves out of debt. You know, they're making sacrifices to be able to get ahead financially because it's been a, it's been a really hard year financially for a lot of people. And so even, you know, the holidays and everything, they're feeling that, that, that crunch. And so my encouragement, again, age appropriate, but bring your kids in, in that conversation, you know, and don't scare them, but share what is going on with the family and with the money, because again, not making it a taboo subject. And I think it's really important, just that line of communication. All right. I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, uh, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories, and they cut out the cost of the middleman, and they pass the savings on to us So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover-up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148, so that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like I want research. I want to know like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin. The results, well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual 
essential for women, 18 plus multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. What is your advice for having conversations for so that children don't fear money? Like say you do need to have a real conversation of, you know, maybe what Christmas is going to look like this year, because it might have to look a little bit different, but then you don't want to put a lack of mindset into your kids' brains. Because I don't even know how you feel about having a mindset of abundance versus lack, but that's one of the shifts I had to make earlier this year. I was having a really a lack mindset and it was very overwhelming. But when I started to shift to a more of an abundance mindset, it changed. And of course, that doesn't mean that, you know, money is just <laughs> raining down. That's not what it means at all, in case you're not familiar with it. But I would struggle to try to figure out how to have an honest conversation and bring kids into it and giving them a little bit of the reality of what's happening, like you said, in an age-appropriate way, but without putting a lack mentality in their head. Sure. Yeah. And I think understanding, and again, probably for older kids more so, but I heard this picture from actually a rabbi who wrote this like great money book and I was reading it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great picture that, that money is not a fixed pie. It's not like, oh, you have money here. So then I now have less to get from. It's like candles, the flame, it can continue on and on and on and on and on. And so that mindset, kind of what you're talking about, that abundance versus scarcity mindset, I think is really important because I think it plays out in our generosity. I think it plays in how we handle money. And so if you are in a family and Christmas is going to look different, I mean, I, I would say the conversation could go, hey, the truth is mom and dad, we, were, we made some mistakes when it comes to money. And I really wish we had pulled back more of our spending X, Y, and Z. Maybe we overspent in certain areas that we wish we didn't. And also, you know, maybe a job was lost, which is a very real thing, or maybe, you know, inflation, like whatever it is that's going on. It's like, yeah, there's other factors that we can't control going on in the world. But the things that we can control is when our paycheck hits our accounts, what are we going to choose to do with it? And as a family, we want to set ourselves up really well so that money is not controlling us. We don't want to be stressed about this, which means that we're going to pull back some from what looks like abundance and spending, but we're actually going to create this really strong financial foundation. So in the future, we can build upon something that is strong and it's not shaky and wobbly, which is kind of how it feels right now to mom and dad. So we're going to make some shifts. And part of that is that this is going to look different this year for Christmas, but we're doing this so that next Christmas, it can be amazing and that we actually will have the money to be able to do it in a stress-free way. So what are the top things you think people get wrong about money? I think debt in general, I think debt is something that we've learned to live with as a culture and as a society. I think it's assumed oh, you can't have a nice car without a car payment. You can't go to college without a student loan. You have to have a credit card to survive. And this mindset that ends up being living beyond your means. It ends up being that 
when you get paid, your paycheck goes back out 18 different directions, right? To 18 different banks or people to pay these bills versus keeping your paycheck and deciding, hey, what do I want to do with it? What do I choose to do? Do I want to invest? Do I want to spend? Do I want to give? What do I want to do? And so that ownership piece in our culture, we've like allowed banks and Toyota Motor Company and Sally Mae and all these places to own us financially, honestly. And that's what's happened. And I think it's caused a lot of stress. And I think it's caused people, not just financial burden, but I think emotional, spiritual. I mean, I think there's a lot that weighs down on people when it's that paycheck to paycheck living. And, and I know some people get there, sadly means that, that, that they, they didn't cause it. They're not living this extravagant lifestyle, but food has gone up, right? Every, I mean, like our expenses have gone up this year and we've all felt that over the last 18 months. And so having to learn to cut back when those things happen, but depending on debt and depending on this financial industry for well-being, I think is a really big mistake. And I think it's caused, I think it's caused a lot of pain and a lot of harm. What are some creative ways for people to make extra money during this time where diversifying your income is really important? So yeah, I don't want that last answer. I ended with like doom and gloom. <laughs> I feel like because of what I see in yes. my yeah in, in my work is that people choose a different way and they choose to get out of debt. They choose to say, hey, I, when my income hits, I want to be able to keep it. I want I want control over it. I want power over it. I want to say over my life and over my choices and my freedom. And and we see people do this all the time. So the two big things people do to get out of that is what you said. Number one is to up your income. So side hustles right now. It, we are in the best place in history for side hustles. So whether it's you working extra at the job that you have now and you work overtime or things like even, you know, driving for food delivery services is one of the biggest places that we see a lot of people bring in a lot of cash flow or find what you're good at and say, hey, how can I charge what I'm really good at and make some money that way? But the the whole side hustle industry, it's everywhere. And there's so many opportunities to make extra income. And yes, it's not fun. Like people, we don't want to take on two, three extra jobs, but just for a season to up that income, to get yourself in a better place financially, I think is key. And then the other piece of the puzzle is your expenses and where you can cut, you know, looking at memberships and subscriptions that you're not using. The out to eat category in your budget usually is a lot of people spend a lot of money out to eat. So do we, but seeing if you can shrink that down, cook at home more, I mean, places that you can find that you can cut expenses on that end of the equation is so helpful. But yeah, all that. And it's a season of sacrifice. It really is. If you really find yourself that you want to be out of debt, it's going to take some sacrifice. But at the end of the day, it's short term. You know, on average, it's around 18 to 24 months. And it's incredible families and people that do this. And and it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing to be debt free. 18 to 24 months in the average amount of debt. Like what amount of debt is that? Average amount of time for people to get out of debt. So that's what we've kind of Yes, as we've tracked people getting out of debt. So again, for some people, it's going to take longer. Some people, it's shorter, depending on the amount of debt and the income and all of that. But on average, it's 18 to 24 months. As you mentioned, eating out being a huge chunk, like what what is draining a lot of our money? Like, is there a top list of things just to be aware of? Because something that popped into my head while you were talking was my daughter, we were at the beach and her cousin, who's, you know, 21 and has whatever way she earns money, had yeah. gel on her nails. And then my 16-year-old daughter is like, oh, I want gel on my nails. I said, well, if that's something you want to save your money for and do it, but also as your mom, like, I want to tell you at 16, the type of money you're earning and saving, I don't know that that would be a wise 
way to spend your money. And also I don't want you to, you know, damage your nails. I used to get gel. I don't anymore. I look, I painted my own nails and I tried to show her, you know, I got this new olive and June color that's pink that I love. And, but you know, a lot of kids get their nails done. So that's an example to me where that could be where you could cut back if you're doing things like that in a sense. But one of my really good friends, Kat, she loves getting her nails done and she will not sacrifice that. She will sacrifice (laughs) other things, but she is not going to sacrifice getting her nails done. So I guess I'm asking this question, but it may look different for different people depending on what really makes them feel good. Yeah, sure. And your values and yes. And yeah, what you enjoy in life obviously is going to trump things that you don't enjoy. But I think too, you know, there can be a level of just uh, sloppiness when it comes to our money. And so I think it's amazing what people will find if they actually do a budget and they actually say, okay, here's what we're going to spend on food. Here's what we're going to spend on clothes. Here's what we're going to spend on miscellaneous. Here's what we're going to spend on insurance. And they actually map out their income and understand exactly where their income's going. When you do that and actually live on some level on purpose, that actually makes you feel like you got a raise because even just that awareness, it's amazing that you look and say, oh my gosh, we've been paying double for Apple iCloud storage that we don't need. Okay, well, cut that, cut this. And, and you start to actually see where your money's going. And that level of detail, it's really important. And it's amazing what you can save when you just actually are on purpose on where your money's going, which is a budget, which people hate the B word, but that's what it is. Awareness is so amazing. I'll go back to that word empowering. Having that knowledge and being aware is, I never thought I would say this, but it's just really cool. Like it (laughs) does so much for your certain decisions that you make, your self-confidence. Your confidence. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I know I had a friend and she, she never did any of this, you know, that we're talking about. And I just talked to her the other day and she was like, Rachel, I got to tell you, we did a budget for the first time this month. And she was like, and I walked into Hobby Lobby and I saw all these Christmas trees. And she was like, I normally just would have been like, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll just charge on the credit card. We'll figure it out later. No worries. We'll just, well, let's get it and let's get some ornaments and have fun. And she was like, but I had a budget and I knew I had this amount of money to spend. And there was something about just that, that boundary to say, okay, I have freedom within this and it's great, but now I, can, I, I need to stop. And that kind of feels good. And, and there is something in us that, well, when we know, and it's not just this idea in our heads, It's a level of control in a good way. I think a healthy control that I have a say in my life versus all of this just happening to me. Circling back to you, you know, writing a kid's book and thinking about kids and when we were kids and what's good for kids, rules are great for kids. They like to know that they're safe. And sometimes I notice my kids pushing the boundaries, but they want me to stop them or they want Mm -hmm. there to be that oh, okay. A limit. All right. There's a limit. Okay. Now I feel protected and like you care because as an adult, I think it's the same thing. It just presents differently. Totally. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Except for for some people. Yeah. Well, when when we were kids, our parents are the ones creating those boundaries. But then when we become adults, we have to create our own boundaries. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) And for some people, honestly, personality wise or, you know, tendencies, they're great with it. It comes natural to them. They love Excel sheets and they they naturally just want to do it themselves. But others like me, I've had to really train myself to be like, okay, Rachel, this is okay. This is good. This is good. I mean, it was a practice for me. And then once I got in the habit of it and it just became part of my life and, and doing a budget every month and knowing, you know, where our money's going and all of that, it just became, that became normal. 
I realized, oh my gosh, I can enjoy, I enjoy what you're saying. I enjoy my life more because I know what's going on. And there's something about that, that freedom. That's why I always say budgets do not limit your freedom. They actually give you freedom. They give you permission to spend and enjoy your money because you actually know what's going on. And uh, they give you that perspective of, you know, the title of your book, like uh, you can be genuinely glad for what you have. Yes. The contentment piece. Yeah. And I think that that's huge. When my daughter asked me about the gel nails, what I shared with you just now was my immediate response. But I guess it does make me curious. And since I have you here, I'll ask you, like, what is a good way to say to a child no without saying no? Or maybe no is okay and appropriate in that. I mean, I definitely used, uh, showed an example and used encouragement of like, we can do our own nails and you don't want to ruin your nails from the gel. When kids are asking for things, because they do ask for a lot, what's your advice for parents of the best way to say, we're not going to do that at this time? I mean, especially if there's a bigger price tag attached to it and they're not expected to use their own money, then I think for sure it's like, yeah, you know, mom and dad, we don't have the money right now. I think that's a that's a very valid answer to say that that's okay. You know, or we're choosing not to spend money on this because we know there's other things that we're going to want to do as a family and we're going to choose to put our money somewhere else. But that's one reason I do love kids having their own money. And, and as they get to be teenagers, you know, I think having a student checking account is great for them with a debit card. And even as a parent, my parents said this, they put a set amount of money in every month. And they said, if you want more money, you have to go get a job, which we had to because they didn't give us a ton of money. So we had to go babysit and do other things. But that set amount of money was enough for us to put gas in our car, you know, buy some clothes if we want, go to the movies with friends, all of that. But it wasn't an abundance amount. It wasn't a lot that we could go do whatever we wanted all the time. We had to make choices. And so for me, learning those choices and me learning, oh, my gosh, I went and got my nails done and it cost me $42 after tip. And now I only have $28 in my accounts. I mean, I'm thinking this is your daughter could be thinking this. Oh, man, I would much rather have had that money to be able to go out to eat two different times with friends than this. And they start to actually learn what is going on. And they put the pieces together, even themselves, as they're making inexpensive money mistakes. So I think the older they get in as teenagers, as of now, which I mean, I don't have teenagers. And I've said things before that I would do as a parent. And then you become a parent. You're like, oh, yeah, no, that that that's not real. <laughs> that's not true. So I could change my mind on this. But but I do like the idea of them making some mistakes with money and having to learn. Oh, gosh, it's all gone now because I got my nails done. Now, what do I do now? I can't go out and do X, Y and Z with friends. So learning that and them going through those emotions, I think, is really healthy. But then there are times as a parent to have the conversation to step in. but. I would say I'm the spender of even the Ramsey kids growing up, my my siblings. And I bought crap all the time. I mean, I, I just spent money and spent money and spent money. And slowly after a while learning, okay, that is who I am. Obviously, I wrote a book about contentment because it's still something I struggle with. But learning like, okay, that's what that meant to buy that cheap shirt at Wet Seal or whatever was cool when I was a teenager. You know? <laughs> Wet Seal. And, <laughs> and you're just like, oh my gosh. But I think playing it out in real time, especially when they're teenagers and they're older, I think is I think is great. How old's your daughter? I can't. 16. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there'd be a part of me that would be like, yeah, let her kind of figure it out and spend some of her own money that maybe she's earned. That's definitely something I have said before when she's asked for something. Um, that's one of my lines is if you were buying this with your own money right now, right. would you still buy it? And yeah. she's looked at me a few of those times and then like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, 
then we're not getting it. Great. Great. Awesome. (laughs) Problem solved. Yay. We're done. You answered Um, the question. So you did something with your kids. Was it this summer, this last summer, where it was like a no-spend summer or something? All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or a concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas anytime I wear them or I get a new pair. They feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. So you did something with your kids. Was it this summer, this last summer, where it was like a no-spend summer or something? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So what I was saying earlier that we do the give, save, and spend, even with the spend, they were persistent. They're like, if they got $2, they were like, can we go to Target? Can we go to the dollar aisle? And I was like, oh, my gosh, you guys. 
And it got to the point that it was, it was, I mean, it was almost daily. It's embarrassing to say it. It was almost daily. They were asking to like, go spend. We want to spend. We want to spend. So Winston, my husband and I, we looked at each other one day and we're like, we're done, y'all. We're done. We will match whatever money you have in your spend, in your spend jar at the end of the summer. But you are not allowed to spend any of your money. So we did. We put a cap on their spend money because they were relentless about it. And I'm like, y'all, we are not going to just be spending and spending and spending. And they would do. And it's funny that, you know, what I teach works I, to a degree because they went and did a bunch of chores and earned a bunch of money. And then they're like, we want, we want, we want. And it became that for weeks. And so that's when we said, okay, y'all, we're stopping this. You can continue to do chores. And we will continue to pay you. But you can't, you're not going to spend any of your money. So we did two months of no spending with them, June and July. And it was great because after about five days, they stopped asking. And it was so great. And they they had the toys that they had. You know, that contentment piece, I think, is really true. When you have enough, we have enough. We have plenty. We have enough. And so them actually living in that was so good. And then in August, yeah, we um, opened the floodgates again and <laughs> told them they're back to, if they want to spend some of their money, they can. <laughs> Since I am, well, I haven't, I'm not dating yet, but I mean, I potentially could have another relationship at some point. When should people have the money conversation? Is it first date? Is it second <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Second date? When do you start to be like, oh, okay, because some people don't even bring it up until they've been engaged or they're getting married and they're like, oh yeah, FYI, I'm, you know, this amount in debt. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah, I would say definitely before the engagement. You know, I think when a relationship starts to like make that turn where you think, all right, this is probably it. This is it. And you kind of have that conversation of, yeah, this is, this is feeling right. And other natural, hopefully other natural conversations are happening with family dynamics. You know, like there's other, there's other conversations in life that are important to have before you get married and money is just one of those. So if you are a person that has that level of conversation with people about all topics of life, it's like, we're just going to go there. Then that's where I feel like, yeah, you have the freedom just to go there. But if you're more reserved in that, then you can wait until it starts getting more serious. But I probably, I wouldn't feel comfortable being engaged and not knowing, I mean, I think income amounts, uh, retirement, housing situation, debt level, I mean, all of that. Like, I think that is a very real needed conversation because what happens too is people get married and especially I tend to find people that are older or have established lives before they get married. They tend to run on these two separate tracks relationally when it comes to money. It's like his money and her money. And they just live these separate lives financially, which I think is really damaging not just from the emotional standpoint of the marriage, but also financially. I'm like, it's hard to set big financial goals and win when you're just doing it on your own, like partner together. If you're married, be one. And so that mindset's really, really critical. So I would say too, to know the value system of the person and what they value about money and you know what role it plays, how you guys see yourself as a team going forward. I mean, all of that, I think that needs to be a conversation before engagement, in my opinion. We have a, a lot of women listeners primarily. And I would love to know your advice for those of us that might need to be in a position um, for a promotion or a raise or one of those talks. Like, do you have any advice for, I mean, I guess it could be for men too, but I just feel like women are in a different position at times, depending on their company dynamics. So do you have yes. any advice for women that might be in that position, you know, with the new year coming up? There might be talks of evaluations that could be happening and standing up for themselves and asking for what they feel they deserve. 
Yes. Well, I think asking is a big part of it. I think for so many of us, you know, you can kind of just shy away from the conversation naturally and say, well, if it plays out, it plays out. And it's more of a passive approach. But I would say, yeah, I mean, if you're at the point that you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, there needs to be a promotion. There needs to be a raise because my work indicates that. And I think that would be the biggest thing. As much facts as you can bring to the table, I think is huge to be able to show like your key results areas. Like, here's what I've been doing. Here's how this has pushed forward different initiatives within the company. This is what I've and actually show what you've done. Because I think sometimes just ideas again, even talking about money, like, oh, it's just the idea of a budget or just the idea of knowing what's going on. No, you actually want numbers down. And so I think as much facts as you can have in life, I think is great. But also when you're doing something like that, having a conversation with someone for a promotion or for a raise, being able to state your case very clearly and factually, I think is a huge pro versus going in and just saying, I feel like I should have a raise, right? Like actually having a level of of facts with you, I think is big. Yeah. Okay. So start collecting. Start collecting. I would. I, I really would. I would just keep track and just say, hey, here's what's going on. If you're, you know, if you're a leader and more people have are now reporting to you than a year ago, you know, like that needs to be into play. Like, I mean, all these different things in your role, I think is, I think is big because the opportunity is there. And I think you're right. I think for a lot of women, they can shy away from it. And we see the studies, you know, depending on, you know, what angle you look at. But I think that fair pay is a very needed thing. So if you are in a company, truly that they really are paying a guy more than you just not and i'm not talking about experience right like i mean there could be experience other other factors but if it really is that i would even question like oh my gosh do i want to work do i want to work here like what kind of company am i working for so i mean those are all bigger conversations but i think having your case being made is really important well and some of your other books would be good for for the adult women listening to check out know yourself know your money the second one love your life, not there, seven money habits for loving the life that you want. I would encourage people to check those out. And also your host of the Rachel Cruz show, co-host of Smart Money Happy Hour. So many different ways to get money knowledge from Rachel and her dad, Dave Ramsey. I mean, I feel like when it comes to money, y'all are like the top people that come to mind for so many people that I know. And so definitely a good resource. And I'm very thankful for all that y'all put out there for people, especially even just on Instagram, like that there's so much that you can get from you. I get little nuggets from you on there. So at Rachel Cruz and Cruz is with an E at the end on all socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and then yeah, your new kids book. I'm glad for what I have. I love that title so much. And let's wrap with gratitude based on that. What is something that you are glad that you have, Rachel? You know, right now, I would say parenting right now. We're like in a fun season. We're out of diapers and strollers and cribs. Like we're out of the baby season. And so even just this past break, I'm like, oh, this season of parenting is starting to feel really fun. And it is work, but the baby season, it's a lot of work. So being able to say, yeah, this is this is fun. The older they get and the more they can talk and be humans, it's I find it more enjoyable. <laughs> no, I agree. Like having your how you have these new little relationships that yes, are I really know. cool and special. Yes. So and and Amy, can I just encourage you made such a great point that it's so many women listening. And I just want to encourage you women listening. So whether you're single, whether you're married, regardless of relational status, and I would say even income status, debt level, like anything, just so that you have the ability to take control of your money. You have the ability to learn things that maybe you thought I could never learn, things that may seem confusing or intimidating. You 100% 
have the ability to move into those spaces and learn and know what's going on. And you may be a spender like me in a free spirit. And you're like, oh no, I'd rather just not. I'd rather not do a budget or not look at what's going on. But you really can. You can can take the subject and say, wow, I feel so out of control, but you can take control. And yeah, Amy, you listed some great resources. So I appreciate that. But I would love to help you any way I can for the listeners out there. So tune in and, and read and read what's going on you know, at Ramsey or the shows that we have, because I do think we have a practical plan to walk people through it. And it's possible for anyone, anyone at any stage of life. And again, regardless of where you are financially, you can do this. Thank you for that encouragement, Rachel. And I'll also link all the books in the show notes so they're easy to find. But Amazon is also an easy way to just, as you know, click order shows up. It's there. <laughs> the Amazon guy's here. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely one that we have to be careful with. I know earlier we were talking about things that just drain money. And it's like, gosh, Amazon has just made it so easy to click and buy. And then our kids, they see that happen too. And they're like, voila, packages just show up. It's there. Yeah, money just goes into the account and then boom, stuff arrives at the door. So as parents, we do need to be intentional since everything is kind of just up in the cloud happening. We need to kind of bring it back down so that it can be tangible. And one way to do that is with Rachel's kids book, depending on how old your kids are. And Rachel was like, I don't know, your kids might be a little too old for this. I was like, no, I don't think, I feel like I could read my 16 year old daughter that book. And depending on what types of conversations you've had with your kids, it may be age appropriate. It may be age appropriate for us as adults too. So thank you, Rachel, for all that you do. And it was so fun having you back on. And I'm sure when you do your next book, you'll be back. I know. I hope so. I hope so. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. 